there's this, uh, this teacher, his name was um, Dan Ariely. Ariely. And he said, over the course of many years of teaching, I've noticed there typically seems to be a, a rash of deaths among student, students' relatives at the uh, end of the semester. It, ha- it happens mostly during the, uh, or in the week before final exams and before papers are due. Uh, guess what relative almost always dies? It's, it's grandma. And he says, I'm not making this stuff up. He said, uh, another research study has shown that uh, grandmothers are 10 times more likely to die before a midterm and 19 more times more likely to die before a final exam. And, and worse, grandmothers of students who are not doing well in class are even at a higher risk. <laughs> students, who are <laughs> students who are failing it are, are 50 times more likely to use gra- lose grandma than non-failing students. <laughs> and it turns out that the greatest pre- predictor of mortality among senior citizens in our day ends up being their grandchildren's uh, GPA. So the moral of this is, uh, if you are a grandparent, don't let your kids go to college. (laughs) Anyway, uh, you know, we we human beings are are very adept at uh, compromising our integrity. You know, from the the beginning of of history of, of human beings, you know, spend any time, any amount of time on, on social media and you, you see this. You see uh, a lot of uh, information. You don't know how much is true. There's lots of uh, misinformation. You know, you find the truth stretched. You find the truth abandoned. Uh, you know, what, what many call research is getting on the Internet and, and trying to seek out something that, that uh, reinforces what you already think, right? Uh, you know, no matter no matter what your agenda is, you'll find plenty of supporting material, regardless of its uh, truthfulness. And uh, so, I would I would just say, you know, brothers and sisters, we we must be better than this. You know, we need to guard our our hearts and our minds. We need to be people of integrity. Uh, if, if we don't, we really open ourselves up to uh, defeat in every area of our, our life. And today's psalm, Psalm 101, talks about integrity. It talks, it, it talks about how David, when he was uh, king of Israel, said, you know, I, I will walk in integrity. And he, he, he talks about what this looks like. He talks about how he guards his heart. And as king of Israel, how he runs his life, which for him, you know, largely meant how he ruled his house, but also his his kingdom. So read with me Psalm 101, Psalm 101, eight verses. I will sing of steadfast love and justice to you, O Lord, I will make music. I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. I will look with favor on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. 
He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. Morning by morning I will destroy all the wicked in the land, cutting off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. Now I'd like to look at this psalm in in three sections. They're they're kind of... um, not equal sections. Uh, verse verse one talks about uh, celebrating God's love and His justice. This sets the uh, the foundation for what what David does throughout this psalm. You know, it sets the stage. Verse two talks about getting our hearts right before God, following the uh, the perfect way with a perfect heart. And verses three through eight. Talk about applying God's standards in our lives. It's, this is the, the walk of, of integrity. And he, he speaks it in mostly in terms of, of the negative, but also some positive. And when we read a psalm like this, we need to guard our hearts against uh, what's called moralizing. You know, moralizing is uh, you know, the action of uh, commenting on issues of right and wrong, you know, typically with uh, an unfounded air of superiority. It kind of reminds me, we, we had dinner with, with this family a while back, and uh, the subject of integrity came up. I don't, re- I don't even remember the conversation except for this, this one thing that happened. One of, the, uh, one of the children who we didn't know was listening to the conversation, he goes, what's integrity? And um, so I you know, tried to explain it to him. I, I said, you know, it's, well, it's, it's doing the right thing always, no matter what, even when nobody's looking. It's like a little bulb went on in his mind, and he goes, "You know, my cousins." And he, and he started talking about how his how his cousins uh, violated these principles of, of integrity, and we had to we had to stop him, you know. But that's moralizing. You know, we we especially like to uh, be able to point our fingers at other people and say, you know, they they are not meeting these standards, you know. So we need to uh, approach this with with humility of, of heart. So, you know, we need to be, begin by, uh, by confessing our, our own sinfulness and our, our own weakness and acknowledge that really any righteousness we have is because of Jesus Christ. So just to lay that down. Well, the first point is uh, you know, let, let's celebrate God's love and his justice. Let's, let's focus on the Lord. Again, this sets the, the stage. He says, uh, I will sing of steadfast love and justice to you, O Lord, I will make music. Uh, He's saying God is good. God is good. I'm going to dwell on that. He says, I'm going to sing about it. I'm going to worship you, God, because of your character, because of your justice, because of the way you deal with people in a just manner. And he uses... He uses a Hebrew word, hesed. We've talked about this, this word before. It's, it's a word that is rich in meaning. It's translated here as, as steadfast love. You know, hesed is it's a, a loyal love. It's a, it's a love of uh, faith, a faithful love, a, a persistent love that, that won't give up. It's not a, it's not a word that's, that we can use flippantly, you know, uh, I love ice cream or, you know, he loves me, he loves me not. You know, it's, it's, it's this love of, of promise. 
It's, it's the love of a God who passionately and persistently loves his people. Now, the other, the other side of the coin is God's justice. God upholds his standards. You know, he, he hates sin. He, he hates injustice. He hates it when orphans are trampled on. He hates it when people turn away and, and sin. We'll see later in the verses of the psalm his, his sense of justice and the, the kind of things that um, he will hold his people accountable for. You know, there's always there's always a tendency for us to, to lose balance. You know, he's talking about love and justice, and you know we tend to want to maybe go to one side or another, and you know people like to play fast and loose with this. Uh, you know, on, on one hand, when you when we think of God's love, some people might think of God as the indulgent grandpa who doesn't really care what what the grandkids do. And, and if, if you talk about sin and the consequences of sin, they, they might say, well, you know, that is, that is so unloving. You know, God wants me to be happy, doesn't he? Uh, well, you know, the answer to that is no, not, a, not if it violates God's character. You know, God, you know, if, if it's going against his law, you probably shouldn't be happy. You know, if you're living in rebellion against God, um, you shouldn't. You need to come to repentance. Now, on the other hand, there are people who refuse to see God's steadfast love, his, his amazing love towards us. You know, there was this guy who went to our church in Dallas, and uh, he, he had a very unbalanced view of God. He, he had this one-sided view where he saw God as this, this God of wrath and vengeance and capriciousness, and he refused to see the, the other side of the coin, God's love. He, one time, he, to prove his point, he lent me this book. Uh, I forget the, the title of it, but uh, the, the, this book proved that God was not all loving. And it was a horrible book. Uh, he, this this guy would he would mock people he he would say mock people and, and and say yeah they say God is love. Well, I had to point out to him that God is love. You know, I turned I turned to First uh, John four where it says God is love. In this love, in this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world that we might live through Him. He goes well I see. On two hands, I see God's love here, his mercy, and I see God's wrath and vengeance and and justice. He says, this is God. And I I had to pull out my Bible and uh, read James 2.13 where it says, mercy triumphs over justice. God is a just God who loves. There's a passage in uh, Exodus 34 that talks about God's love and justice. It's a beautiful passage. Exodus 34, 6 through 9, we have God speaking to Moses. So the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, 
The Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. And he said, if, if now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. So here's the thing. God is loving, and God is just. And that's good, David says. I'm going I'm to write a song about it. That's what we have right here. I'm going to sing about it, love and justice. I'm going to take joy in God's character. So this is the foundation on which we can understand the rest of this this psalm. In the next section, verse 2, David looks at his his own heart. We need to follow God's perfect way with a perfect heart. Jesus says in Matthew 5.48, uh, therefore, you must be perfect as, as your heavenly father is, is perfect. Um, David says, I will, I will ponder the way that is blameless. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's ready to say, I am perfect. I am blameless. He says, nah, I'll, I need to think about this. I need, I need to ponder this. You know, he... He wants to reflect on it. He wants to uh, understand what, what this might mean. He wants to have insight into what it means to, uh, to live a, a blameless life with a, with a blameless heart before God. He wants to follow God's path. He wants to be on God's way. He doesn't want to just come up with a bunch of ideas on, on what this might mean. He you know, he's going to search the scriptures, God's word. He's going to meditate on it. Remember Psalm 1. You know, the, the, the blessed man is the one who meditates on God's word day and night. And what he says next is, is very significant here. He says, I will walk with integrity of heart in my own house. You know, his, his lifestyle of integrity begins in the privacy of, of his own house. You know, I've... I've like, like I said earlier, I've, I've heard that integrity is doing the right thing even when nobody is watching. I'll guard my heart, even when, and especially when I'm, I'm alone. Look what he says next. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. You know, this, this word translated worthless means uh, good for nothing. David is... David knows about not walking with integrity in his own house, doesn't he? Remember, uh, the, he, he learned about the danger of what, what comes before his eyes when he's not living a, a life of integrity. You know, he, he knows that it's, he, he knows that he's susceptible to, uh, to sin and, and temptation when nobody else around, is around. Because... One time when he was alone in his house, he, he just happened to see a, a woman bathing next door on the roof and his lust ultimately led him to adultery and, and murder. So David's speaking here from uh, knowledge, experience. 
you know, we need to guard our hearts, we need to guard our minds, we need to guard our, our eyes. You know, what, what kind of things are, are we looking at? What kind of things are we setting before our eyes? You know, can, can I say, I will walk with integrity in my own house. I will not set anything worthless before my eyes. So, integrity of heart is really a matter of what is, is most important to us. To live in integrity of heart is about having a, a passion for God so that he is the most important thing. Having a passion for a, a life that is lived for him, a life that is pleasing to God. You know, this is, this is one of the most valuable things we can have in our lives. Proverbs 28.6 says, Better is a poor man who walks in integrity than a rich man who's crooked in his ways. So here, integrity is contrasted with, with crookedness. When, when we lived in Arkansas, we, we saw something really curious on, on some of the road signs This word was used, crooked. Crooked road ahead, it would say. Now, before moving to Arkansas, I had never seen the word crooked on a a traffic sign. But it's a good description. It it referred to a road that went like this. You know, if there were some switchbacks going up a a mountain, crooked road. The the word here in Hebrew for crooked means just that, twisted or, or false. You know, when I when I think of the word crooked, I, I always think of the way it's used as an adjective to uh, describe some of our politicians. You know, uh, uh, I, I think of somebody who, who goes this way or that, whichever way is most convenient, the most politically expedient. You know, what would what would benefit him the most, with no regard to uh, those who who he's serving. That's a crooked politician. And, uh, you know, I'd like to raise something here while we're talking about integrity. This, this is going to raise some hackles. I know it is. But, uh, you know, this, this is where God meets us, where we are right now today. Uh, our, our integrity demands that, we, uh, that we're true to God's word, uh, that we obey God's word. Um, have you heard of Thomas Jefferson's Bible? If, if not, do, do a Google search and, and find some pictures of Thomas Jefferson's Bible. He took, he took his Bible and he took his knife and he cut out the portions he didn't like. This, he did. It, this really happened. That Bible is in the Smithsonian. You can, you can look at it. You can, you can see pictures of it. And it's said that uh, once he was finished, he devoutly read from his, uh, his new Bible faithfully until until the day he died uh, you know, we we must not do this with god's word uh, you know i can't and i don't think there's anybody in this room who, who disagrees with that we cannot cut out what we don't like in god's word well until until we run into something we don't like right you know maybe you know figuratively we we take that knife and, and cut out the uh, the verses that we don't like, and we say, "Oh, this doesn't apply to me. 
Um, you know, people who, who claim to use a literal hermeneutic will not take some of God's commands literally. But our integrity demands we take God's word to heart and, and that we obey. Uh, just the examples I want to use here are some examples that talk about our, uh, our government, our, the, the command to obey, submit to, and, and honor our, our government leaders. And I would urge you to prayfully read these passages. Could you go to the uh, next, next slide here? Yeah, these here. Romans, First Peter. No, 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 those aren't. Could you go to the next slide? The one before? Yeah, down at, down at the bottom there. Write those down and read those prayerfully this week. We are, we are told to obey, honor, and, and submit to our, our government authorities. And we, we cannot take that, that knife and cut those verses out. We cannot explain these, these away. This is an issue of heart. This is a matter of integrity. This is what I would like for us to, to look at. Anyway, focus on God. Examine your heart. And David spends the rest of this psalm talking about the kinds of people who do and don't live up to uh, God's standards, his requirements. Mostly those who who don't. Uh, Let's look at these areas. David lists them. Uh, First, he says he hates the work of those who fall away. he's He's talking about people's work. You know, the things that, that people make and prepare and do, these are the things, these are the, the, the products of, of people who deviate from what's right. These are the things that are done by people who, who transgress God's law. David says, these things won't cling to me. What does this mean, cling? You know, I, I think about when I've been outdoors, especially when we lived in the south, if you go hiking or, or walking through anything outdoor, you're going to have all these these stickers, these things stick into your pants and, and your, your shirt. You just can't, you can't get away from it. They've got little barbed hooks on them and they cling to you. All over your shoes, all over your pants, you know, and these, these seeds and seed pods and they, they just, they won't, they hang on, they won't let go. You know, what do you do? Sin can cling to us like that. David's saying, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not I'm going to let sin cling to me. You know, if, if you want to be sticker-free, what do you do? You avoid brushing up against those things. But if they are clinging to you, as they often do, you get rid of them. You take them off and throw them away. Don't let sin cling to you. Avoid putting yourself in situations to where it will. When we do sin, confess and repent. If we let sins take hold, they become habits. Our consciences are seared. You know, we need, we need to keep a short account with God and ask for forgiveness, examining our hearts always. David goes on to say, a perverse heart will be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. You know, this, 
this this word for perverse here also means twisted or, or false. You know, what's a perverse heart? A perverse heart is a heart that's not doing the things that it should do. You know, what what should my heart be doing according to scripture? We've been what have we been told to do with all our heart? There's a whole bunch of passages here. Deuteronomy 4.29, search after him with all your heart and all your soul. Deuteronomy 6.5, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Deuteronomy 10.12, serve the Lord with all your heart and all your soul. Deuteronomy 26.16, do them, speaking of God's uh, statutes and and laws, do, do them, obey them with all your heart and with all your soul. Deuteronomy 30.10, turn to the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul. 1 Samuel 7.3, return to the Lord with all your heart. Okay, you get the idea? A perverse heart's not doing these things. You know, our, our, our heart is the, uh, the seat of our affections. It's the seat of our will. A twisted or false heart is searching after other things, other things, and not God and the things of God. It's you know, doing things that are in opposition of God's commandments. David uses a, a parallelism here. He says, I will know nothing of evil. A perverse heart is, is evil. David next says, says, I have no use for people who slander their neighbor secretly. You know, that is to uh, spread false information about people in order to harm them. What does slander do? It it damages somebody's reputation. You know, do we we talk about people behind their backs to harm them? Do we spread information that we think will hurt them? You know, do we gossip? Do Do we tear people down so that we build ourselves up? David also has no pe- no place for people who have a haughty look and an arrogant heart. You know why why is it that so many of us have this tendency to seek to to elevate ourselves? These these these, these things are related. Uh, the Apostle Paul pleads with us in Romans uh, twelve three. He says, "For by the grace given to me." I say to everyone among you not to think too highly of himself or think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. We need to be able to look our, look at ourselves realistically and not this grandiose view that we have of ourselves that, that isn't even true. You know, we need to realize that uh, Pride and arrogance are not valued in the kingdom of God. Those are not characteristics that uh, we should have. You know, we need to regard ourselves with sober judgment. First Peter five five says, "Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble." I don't know about you, but I'd sure rather have grace than opposition from my Lord. Now, in verse 6, David talks about the kind of person who will gain approval. 
There's a lot of negative stuff there. Here's, here's a couple positive things. He says he wants to be around a person who's faithful. You know, this, this word for faithful means firm and reliable. This is, this is a person who's dependable and, and steady, you know, a person who's a, a person of his word. He's, he's a person who is there for you. He's, he's got your back, not, not somebody who shoots you in the back. Next, he says he wants serving him one who's blameless. You know, this, this is a person who's honest and, and devout. Someone who is not rebellious and twisted. You know, this is a, a person of integrity. You know, isn't, isn't this the kind of person we would all choose as a, a fellow worker? The kind of person we, we'd want to be around. So these, these two things, faithful and, and blameless, are together, they're the, uh, you know, they're the antithesis. They're the opposite of what David has been laying out, all these, these negative things earlier. Now he goes back to negative stuff. He says, uh, two more things I won't tolerate, he says. One, no one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. He says, if you lie to me, I don't want you around. If, if you've known anybody ever who, who's a chronic liar, you don't, they say something, you have no idea whether to believe them or not. They've lied to you so many times. You don't know whether it's true or false. How would you know? But God cares about our character. And somehow he finds lying to be especially egregious. Jesus called Satan the father of lies. John eight forty four he says, when, when he, that's the devil, when he lies, he, he speaks out of his own character, you know, for he's a liar and the, and the father of, of lies. You know, it's his very character is, is that of, of being a liar. Just as the character of God is, is love, the character of Satan is Lying, it's deceit. We need to be truthful and honest. We, we definitely fall short of God's standards for us. We, we sin when we are lying and deceiving. You know, lying is a good way to lose a job. It's a good way to ruin a marriage. It's a good way to uh, destroy any relationship. You know, deceit can cause damage wherever you go. It can, it can tear apart a church. You know, it can especially mar our relationship with our, our Lord. Now, finally, David talks about getting rid of the wicked and the evildoers. You know, wickedness, evil doing. You know, these, are, these are just not the things that belong in the life of one who walks in integrity. These are not things that identify a person who's upright before God. You know, these are things for the life of the, the rebellious. These are the things in the lives of those who turn away from God. So as we, as we close here, you know, again, the, the, the point of this psalm, and if that, if that first verse was, was missing, this, this would be a pretty... Uh, 
destructive psalm, I think. You know, the, the whole point is we need to look to God. We need to focus on him. We need to examine our hearts and then live accordingly, you know, walking in integrity. So this psalm, Psalm 101, calls us to take a good look at how we live our lives. And, uh, you know, we know without, without God in our lives, we don't, we don't have a chance. We, we sin. God has a way he wants us to go, and we turn our back on him and, and go the other way. Guilty. We're all guilty of that. But he's a God of steadfast love and justice. He's, he's a God of forgiveness. We need to examine our hearts. We need to uh, put on the full armor of God, which will ensure our integrity. I'll use an example of uh, Roman centurions, which uh, w- were way after this, but uh, they, they would uh, put on their armor. And when they... Uh, when the captain would come to inspect them, the soldier would do this. He didn't have a microphone. He'd utter the word integritas, integrity. My armor is protecting me. I have full integrity of, of armor here. We need to love God with all our hearts, all our souls, all our minds all our strength. We need to know that he's a God of mercy and love. Let's keep that forefront in our minds. That's why David says here, I'm going to sing about God's love and justice. But it's his desire that we walk in integrity. he, He wants us to be holy because he is holy. Set apart for him. Consecrated for, for his use. Let's pray. Um, Lord God, we, we acknowledge your goodness, your, your love and your mercy, but uh, also your, your justice. And uh, we just thank you, Lord, for the, the grace that you've poured out so abundantly on us, Lord. It was, it was so undeserved, and it, it is still so undeserved that you keep loving us. Lord, I, I pray that... Uh, we would trust you, Lord, that we would put our lives in, our, in your hands, Lord, that we would walk with you and live lives of integrity and uprightness and, and righteousness, Lord. We, we can only do this uh, in you, and we know that. And we pray in, in the name of Jesus, the, the one who is truly righteous, the one in whom we, we have life. Amen.